0: Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications, and it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Adam's on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you had a great weekend, getting that shopping, that last-minute shopping all taken care of. Wow, the countdown is on now. So glad you've joined us today, here's what we're going to be talking about. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson will join us, we'll take a look at holiday weather. Steve Nicholson with Robo Finance will be with us for some end-of-the-year market outlook. And we'll talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Kind of go over these developments here at the end of the year for trade and for biofuels. Lots to talk about. In fact, lots to talk about with our first guest. We welcome Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Todd, good to talk with you. Got that shopping done?
3: Hi, Mike. Uh, No, still trying to get it finished up, but hopefully, I hope to get out today sometime maybe. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I've got a little bit to do yet myself. Well, we have plenty to talk about. There have been so many things here at the end of the year, and I just wrote a commentary for our American Ag Network newsletter talking about just when the ag Christmas stock- stockings seem to really be filling up with good things, with USMCA and with uh, prospects on China and with a biodiesel tax credit all these good things here at the end of the year, and then we dig down in there, and here's this lump of coal. When the administration backs out of a deal on the, on biofuels, and basically says uh, we're going to let EPA, you know, keep granting uh, these exemptions as they see fit, and uh, not reallocate these lost gallons.
3: Yeah, you know, Mike, it's uh, you know it's something you and I have talked about a lot. Um, you know, you'd kind of scratch your head at what EPA is doing. Uh, you know, when when President Trump had been made aware of this, of how the deal didn't match up with the, with the proposal, uh, you kind of got some sense there that the president was a little bit angry. He was kind of a, he was a little bit shocked. He thought maybe, uh, you know, we need to go back and fix it. Uh, you know, there are even some reports that Larry Kudlow, his economic advisor, uh, was was going a different direction with the policy. Um, and then we get the final rule that comes out. And it's really uh, it's really befuddling. Um you know, I think <clears throat> as we look forward down uh, into this next year, you know, we're going to see more of these uh, requested exemptions come in. We had another six already that popped up for the next uh, for the 2019, I believe. Um, so I, I think that uh, you know, as we go on into this year, if there's going to be another biofuels deal done, uh, I would suspect that uh, it's going to it's probably going to be something a little different than what EPA put in this final proposal. Uh, but yet, I I don't know what more can be done or what more can be said to the administration at this point about how um, how unhappy role America is about this, um, and so I, I I don't really know where this goes at this point. You kind of you kind of hope maybe that um, on into this next year we might see some some movement again, but who knows? This is just kind of one of those things that just never seems to go away.
1: Yeah, on the one hand, I mean we're going into a presidential election year and you had the feeling the president did not want to alienate a, a key part of his of his base. But on the other hand, now that they've come to this conclusion, it almost seems as if they're counting on there are enough other positives with trade and some other things to offset this. And I think the big one is here. The the president says, "Now wait a minute, I know some farmers may not be happy with this, but I look at my opposition" In the upcoming election, and he, I think he's counting on farmers not seeing a, a real viable option or a popular option on the other side. That strategy kind of worked in the last election. It's almost like he's counting on it again in this coming election.
3: Yeah, you know I think that's a fair point. you know, I, I think when he looks at uh, the landscape and the political landscape, uh, quite honestly, there really aren't any uh, contenders on the other side, honestly, unless something dramatically changes in this next year. Uh, you know, even with impeachment and all these things going on, uh, he still maintains a really strong base of popularity. Uh, and, I, and I think you're right, but it still it still doesn't make any sense because it's one of these policies that seems to be pretty clear cut as to what agriculture needs out of that out of the biofuels policy, uh, and not to get it right despite all the outcry and and all the you know and you know, we saw we saw a lot of people come together on this and say you know this is how we got to have it. This is what we expected. And to still see this final policy come out, it it just doesn't make any sense. So maybe the president's, you know, taking his chances here. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how big of a role this really is going to play in the election, honestly.
1: We're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Now on the positive side, Todd, the House passes USMCA. It looks like the Senate will uh, next month. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biodiesel tax credit gets put in place finally again uh some certainty there for a few years for the biodiesel industry things look better than they have in some time for china it's amazing how all this kind of came together here at the end of the year and uh kind of gives a much more positive outlook on on those fronts going into 2020 than what we've had throughout most of 2019
3: yeah absolutely you know i mean looking back on what we saw this past year with weather and all the all the difficulties that agriculture faced i definitely think you know, just having this at the start of a new year, at the very least, uh, gives some people at least some breathing room, you know, something to kind of hang their hats on. Um, you know, with biodiesel, it's kind of interesting. You know, this, this tax credit's a big deal. It's extended all through 2022. Uh, but the other side of that is, you know, we've got biodiesel plants that shut down. Uh, people, you know, employees of these plants that left and found other jobs, Uh, you know, feedstock uh, needs and and contracts that were basically blown up because of uh, no production. And so a lot of these plants, while it's going to, it's definitely a big deal, it's going to take some time for a lot of these biodiesel producers to get back on their feet and get rolling again. And so, um, you know, the loss of that credit for as long as it was gone, it really did uh, do some damage on the industry. And so um, still, you know, it's good to have it. I think we're in a much better place than what biodiesel has been in in a very long time.
1: It's amazing, like it a year's worth of uh of uh different things got done what within a week it seems like. Everything <laughs> that we've been talking about all year, all of a sudden and the week before Christmas they could get it done.
3: Right. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of how it seems to go at the end of the year, doesn't it? I mean we've seen we've seen time again these these last minute things that that happen and uh but it's hard to recall a time where there were so many significant things going on in agriculture that kind of all came to a head at one time.
1: Yeah. And of course, now the great hope we wait and see will this phase one deal with China get done
3: yeah, absolutely and uh you know there's no reason to think it you know that it won't. I mean, we've heard plenty of positives coming from that deal, and so I think uh, you know it's probably one of those was one of those big election year things that trump is is hoping will come through um I think you know, as we talked about all the biofuels issues and all that, I think a china trade deal in this next year would would uh really make a make it a lot easier for the president in his reelection
1: well a lot of this will carry right over into the new year we'll have plenty to talk (laughs) about Uh, tell you what we'll talk again next week and uh, we'll just kind of review 2019 and look ahead to 2020 okay
3: absolutely thanks mike
1: sounds good merry christmas todd you too thank you todd neely dtn reporter well up next what kind of weather will it be around the country for this Christmas holiday? Some of you will be doing some traveling. Any weather problems ahead? Sounds like, looks like some areas in the Midwest are going to get a very mild Christmas. We'll get into all that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's coming up next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us.
0: The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. And we have lots to discuss with Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Jim, thank you for joining us. I know you were happy with the passage in the House of the uh, Ag Labor Reform Bill.
4: Yeah, it's great to be with you, Mike. That was a great
5: first step for all labor-intensive agriculture. I know you've got a lot of listeners that are involved in confined animal operations, dairies, and so forth. Just like specialty crops, fruit and vegetable production have a huge need for for labor, and it's hard to find people that want to work that hard. So, it was a great thing to see Congress put aside its political differences for a day and and pass something that's so important to agriculture. The fact that In this superheated political environment, a bipartisan group of Republicans and Democrats could come together and pass a a bill through the House that would help agriculture in this way. I think it's just a
6: bit of a miracle, to tell you the truth.
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
4: When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com
7: whether you're on the road or in the field you need more than typical number two diesel you need a heavy duty diesel like cenex premium diesel it comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn it's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as four and a half percent and fuel economy by up to five percent so ask yourself if you could be any diesel which diesel would you be cenex premium diesel diesel that doesn't mess around
1: Well, let's check the Christmas forecast with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, who gets the white Christmas? Who gets the warm Christmas?
5: Well, Mike, the good morning, Mike. The uh, scenario is not looking uh, all that favorable for a white Christmas for um, areas except for the mountains uh, as we think about this week because uh, this pattern uh, that we've got going on is uh, pretty mild. And uh, it's going to stay that way as we go through this week. We have a lot of above-normal temperatures uh, in play. In fact, from about uh, central Kansas, central Oklahoma, uh, north to southern Minnesota, and then east all the way to uh, the the, uh, middle of uh, North Carolina, uh, temperatures are going to be anywhere from uh, 10 to 15 degrees above normal and maybe even uh, pushing 20 degrees above normal in the Ohio Valley and the Delta. Uh, so it's a, uh, a mild and, and uh, in many respects, uh, dry uh, scenario for Christmas. We could see, uh, see some uh, moisture develop here by the end of the week in the southern plains, but I think that we'll get through the uh, actual Christmas holiday uh, with uh, quite a bit of uh, dry conditions. And like I say, snow is going to be pretty much in the west, and... Um, and otherwise, uh, it's going to be, um, if there's any precipitation, like we're seeing in the in uh, the Carolinas and Georgia today, it's going to be in the form of rain.
1: And some folks may not get new snow, but they still may have some old snow around.
5: Well, there's going to be some of that. I, I think that we're going to see quite a bit of snow melting. And, and I'm kind of crossing my fingers that uh, the general trend that we have this week is going to allow for a little bit more harvest progress in uh, the uh, very delayed harvest areas of uh, the northern corn belt uh, any you know any, any amount that is taken out of the field is going to be uh, less grain that we have to uh, worry about you know all the way through the balance of the winter season and uh, so i think that that's going to be um, obviously a, a potentially uh, favorable outcome with this pattern Along with that, uh, livestock will have favorable conditions, and uh, besides uh, safety in terms of travel, it's going to be a good week to move grain, and uh, so that's going to be a, a, a favorable uh, uh, outcome of uh, this pattern as well. I, uh, for, for those kinds of conditions, uh, for those kinds of uh, features and details, I don't see a whole lot of downside uh, in this uh, pattern that we have right now.
1: Yeah, and and no big storm looming or brewing or forming out on the horizon?
5: The biggest one, there is going to be some uh, action, but the the main focus for any uh, storm activity is going to be in the southern plains, probably after Christmas Day, when we think about Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh, in the latter half of this week, and in uh, the Texas Panhandle, and the southwestern plains uh... there could be some um, some uh, rain and snow develop uh... bringing some moisture uh... over the uh, northern plains we could see a little bit of very light rain and snow during uh... the end of this week as well but again it's not looking uh... very heavy at all in fact in uh, south central minnesota there's only about a tenth of an inch of uh... rain that we have in store and then Uh, crossing North Dakota, northern Minnesota, just a few rounds of uh, pretty light snow uh, with no more than about an inch or so. And uh, that's, that's hardly anything, you know, when you think about late December.
1: So, yeah, and it should be good, as you said, for travel, too. A lot of people trying to get places shouldn't be any major issues, uh, looks like, uh, for much of the country when it comes to weather. Now let's look around the world a little bit, uh, keeping an eye on South America. How are things down there with their moisture?
5: Well, the the Brazil uh, pattern is uh, pretty favorable right now on soil moisture, except for the northeastern part of the country. And, uh, you know, that's been ongoing now for a good uh, six weeks, and I think that it's pretty well understood that production out of that uh, northeastern part of Brazil is not going to be that great for this year. Over the remainder of their major soybean areas, uh, the moisture situation has been very favorable. Uh, This week, there's going to be a little bit more variety in rainfall in central through south-central Brazil. Central Brazil Mato Grosso and Goiás, and uh, over into uh, the state of Minas, along with Mato Grosso do Sul, are going to have uh, moderate to heavy rainfall. Uh, so they're not going to be lacking. They're not going to be turning hot and dry or anything like that. South central Brazil, the states of uh, Paraná, and then south into Rio Grande do Sul, are going to be a little bit uh, less active. On the precipitation, they're not going to be completely dry, uh, but rainfall totals are going to uh, be no more than about a quarter to three quarters of an inch. Now, at this point, again, uh, the soil moisture supply is quite favorable, but uh, it's just going to be one of these features to kind of keep track of as we go through the balance of this week and then on into the end of the year. Um, uh, so that's how Brazil is shaping up at, at this point, and again, I can't really see that anything is, uh, you know, is uh, really a problem right now. Uh, farther south in Argentina, uh, they had some good rain late last week in western Buenos Aires and southern Santa Fe and southeastern Cordoba states, and that part of Argentina is uh, in line to get more of that kind of rain this week, anywhere from one to possibly up to three inches of rain. Uh, so this uh, south-central part of Argentina is uh, all of a sudden starting to shape up on the precipitation track and uh, looking better, you know, when you think about uh, the uh, the moisture prospects uh, going into what amounts to the 1st of July for the southern hemisphere.
1: Yeah, let's look at some other production areas. I mean, we're looking ahead to 2020. It looks like on some of these trade issues, we're kind of back in the game on some things. So we're seeing about our competitors. Uh, what's going on in Australia?
5: There's hardly anything happening in Australia. Unfortunately, they've got a terrible drought—the uh, worst drought that they've had in in probably 20 years—and uh, wheat production in Australia is going to be the lowest that that uh, they've harvested since uh, 2007. You know, so going back now, you know, what 12, 13 seasons. Uh, so it's it's a uh, it's a catastrophic drought that they have going on. Uh, Wildfires have been uh, have been uh, just uh, out of uh, outrageous in terms of their development uh, New South Wales was hit with uh, a new round of wildfires last week and uh, this is not going to change uh, in australia
1: What about Europe
5: Europe has been uh, quite wet over the past uh, several weeks and um, there may have been a little bit of a reduction in their uh, in their winter wheat uh, planting as a result, it hasn't been very much. Uh, If anything, uh, there's going to be maybe a little bit more of their uh, winter rapeseed planted uh, for an oilseed crop. We know that the oilseed market has been uh, quite firm lately, uh, quite a good market, and that may actually have have been the reason why there's been a little bit of a cutback in wheat. But uh, for Europe at this point, uh, the main feature is that they've got fairly wet conditions, actually, as they go into the end of uh, December.
1: All right, back here to the U.S., what do you see as we head into the new year?
5: I think January is going to start out quite mild, and uh, mainly on the dry side. Our forecast, Mike, is still looking for the latter half of January and then on into February to be colder and stormier and snowier, and that Mm -hmm. leads to a lot of caution about how the balance of the winter and on into the spring is going to be because uh, we know that uh, this past year was just outrageously wet. Uh, we broke a, uh, a national um, precipitation record uh, for the January through November time frame by almost 28%. Uh, US-wide. And then, of course, over most of the uh, crop areas of the uh, country, uh, the precipitation was at least in the top 10 percent. And then in states like the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, the wettest on record. And so that's uh, what we've got to uh, think about. And of course, think about, uh, you know, coping with as we finish out this winter and then go on into the spring and i am concerned that uh, spring is going to be kind of cooler and a little bit wetter so we have a slower start to field work again
1: yeah you've been uh, kind of uh, telling us about that for some time now i tell you what next week when we talk uh, we'll not only review 2019 but we we'll to get more in detail your thoughts on uh, Uh, the spring of 2020 and those concerns you have about it being wet again, kind of like we had this year. So we'll talk again a week from now. In the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas, Bryce. Thanks a lot.
5: You're welcome, Mike, and the same to you.
1: All right, take care. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. So it looks like for most of the uh, country, it's going to be mild this Christmas. And again, next week we'll uh, get his thoughts on uh, late winter and spring of 2020. Up next, though, a lot for the markets to look at here at the end of the year. We'll talk with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. His thoughts on the markets as we close 2019 and look ahead to 2020. Stay with us on AOA.
0: Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, And knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credence Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credence variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up
7: time is money right and money well it's the whole reason we go to work every day Senex premium diesel protects both with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn Senex roadmaster xl helps your entire fuel system stay up and running so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses now don't spend all that free time in one place unless it's the highway Senex premium diesel diesel that doesn't mess around
8: with Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit make at wish.org.
9: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures trending higher in corn and soybeans in early activity as traders react to reports late last night that China will cut tariffs on roughly 850 goods from the U.S., including frozen pork, starting on January 1st. 126,000 metric tons of soybeans have been sold to China for the 2019-2020 marketing year, that according to USDA on Monday. On top of that, the Ag Department changing the destination for 220,500 tons of soybeans from the unknown destination's designation to the Netherlands and Saudi Arabia. Traders have cut their short positions in the grains this month. According to Friday's CFTC Commitment of Traders report, corn short positions were cut by over 12,000 contracts. An hour into the day, March corn up three quarters of a cent at 388 and a half. January soybeans up five and a quarter at 933 and a half. A mix in the wheats, Chicago March down two and a half at 539 and three quarters. Kansas City March down a penny and a half at 460 and three quarters. Minneapolis Spring Wheat March up a penny at 537 and three quarters. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, December down 35, 121.87. February down 42 at 125.35. Feeder cattle, January down 62 at 143.65. Cattle on Feed Report, Friday afternoon showing marketings of fed cattle during November totaled 1.81 million head 3% below 2018 in lean hog futures February up 7 cents 70 75 on Wall Street the Dow up 109 points February crude oil down 16 cents you're listening to Adams on agriculture I'm rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network sometimes life is
10: wonderful and sometimes it's not cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Health Care, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Health Care, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Health Care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage.
1: Well, let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oilsies Analyst for Robo Agri-Finance. Steve, thanks for joining us, and Merry Christmas. Here we are Christmas week, and we're still talking about getting harvest done in places.
6: We are. Good morning, Mike, and Merry Christmas to you and your family and all that are listening. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like almost deja vu uh, to a year ago, where we still were struggling with harvest here after Thanksgiving into, into Christmas, even into January in some parts of, some parts of the country. And, it, and it's been, you hate to say it like this, but it, it's been pretty, it hasn't been very discriminatory over any, you know, on any one particular crop. I mean, it's been corn, it's been soybeans, it's been sugar beets, it's been potatoes, um, you know, crops that's too late to do. Um, and it's just, you know, it's been challenging in some areas, planting wheat this fall and cotton, uh, has been an issue coming out. I was in Central Texas a week ago, and you know there was cotton that just isn't going to get out because of you know bad weather. So it it's been it's been rough. It has been rough for farmers, and it's you know I think if when we sat here a year ago and had this conversation, we thought, boy, we just hope this wouldn't happen again, another harvest. And here we are, 12 months later, and you know farmers again. I've said this once before. It's just they're physically and emotionally exhausted after you know hard harvest hard winter hard spring you know okay summer and now another hard harvest and and i there were some folks um who had gone and i'll not to plug anyone but bryce anderson uh, was at the dt and ag summit a couple weeks ago and had made a prediction that next year next year's weather will be very similar and that we'll see you know wet wet conditions again next year so i, I guess we have to be prepared for anything
1: so all of those are huge challenges for the farmers, especially those yep. still trying to get harvest done. but yeah. what about the markets? Have the markets just shrugged that off that 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 the harvest that's not done yet or they have they moved on?
6: Well, I think they have moved on and and that's, you know it's and one of the things too we have to remember is and it, it's the same' it's kind of it's kind of the same issue like when we got through the spring. And you know the market, and we'll focus on corn, but they all did this, fell off, and you're, and the, you know, everyone's going, well, why is the market dropping off when we had such a tough spring planting? And I think it goes back to the, the stock situation. Is that, you know, when you look at corn or you look at soybeans, even though soybeans we've seen a uh, basically a halving of of ending stocks, the fact is the market's looking at it and going, okay, we have plenty of stocks. Demand on corn, wheat, and soybeans is relatively benign or flat. We don't see opportunities for increasing demand. And so the market's going, is sort of like you said, a shrugging shoulders and going, okay, we have plenty of supply. The market says, I don't need to ration supply or or taper demand back because we have a, a supply issue. And so that's where the market is. And, and the other thing is we have to think about futures markets are just that. They look in the future and think about, where are the issues or where are the opportunities going forward and so it's moved on and now it's looked at you know, it's looked at china it's looked at usmca uh, it's looked at trade deals and it's and it's starting to think about south america and, and it's already been thinking about south america and it's looking at where those challenges or opportunities are and what, how it needs to react to that and you know we have seen both corn and soybeans rally off their lows and i think we have to acknowledge that um... And so they're not certainly in the doldrums that they were, um, but, you know, you've got, it's kind of where the market head is right now. I think one thing we have to think about, you know, you now enter a holiday week or really kind of two weeks of holiday trading. And, you know, holiday trading can be kind of an interesting uh, exercise. Despite if we're all home drinking our eggnog or sleeping our dinners, Christmas dinners off, um, it's a time actually to pay attention to markets because volume's thin, and you can get, and I, this is for buyers and sellers both, you can, some opportunities might arise because someone comes in and does something. Uh, some people might think that's sort of crazy, but you may get kind of volatile moves in the market, which may give you some opportunities on the sell side. And if you're a livestock buyer or you know, an end user, you may get some buying, on, buying opportunities on the downside as well. So it's not a week to just not pay attention to what markets are doing.
1: We're talking with Agri Finance Green and Oil Seeds analyst Steve Nicholson. Steve, let's talk China as we wait what hopefully is going to be the signing of a phase one deal. Uh, we're already seeing signs, more and more signs that China needs protein. They need meat.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that's the thing I think that's a really good question and really something for all of us to focus on. And I'm gonna let's do the bad news and good news first. It you know, the bad news on this whole phase one is that, you know, all the announcements about what China's going to do have come from the United States. They haven't come from China. And so I think we have to take that in context and think about, you know, we've been here before, so let's not, let's be very um, cautiously optimistic about what this phase one will do and what it won't do. So I think that's the thing we have to be, I guess if that's the bad news story, we have to think about that. But the good news story is here that China is certainly sending the messages that you, that you uh, prefaced your question, is that they need protein. Pork prices in China have skyrocketed. You know, they are, you know, keep in mind, too, is they now start to enter that season where they're thinking about the Chinese New Year, the government's thinking about the Chinese New Year, as our as Chinese, you know, um, citizens, and thinking but prepared for their food. And it, it's a big celebration. And so there's a huge demand, you know, like there is for Christmas, like there is for Ramadan. There's a big demand for food. It's... It, the celebration centers around food and getting the families getting together. And so now they're seeing there's no pork or the prices are high and, and consumers in China are going to be concerned. And, so, and they have, there was an announcement either, I, I think it was probably over, it would have been, would have been our Sunday, and the Chinese have, have started to signal pretty clearly that they are going to ease the, ease the tariffs on pork coming in there. They've also eased some of the phytosanitary um, issues on poultry. Uh, from the United States, so I think from a port, you know, you know, from a pork producer or a poultry producer, um, you know, this is all good news, and I think we'll will be fact that we'll be moving more protein to China, which is also good in a in a remote way, you know, for the grains and oilseed sector, because if you're feeding pigs and you're feeding more chickens, you've got to have more corn and you've got to have more soybean meal, so that that will help as well.
1: If we get this phase one signing, and we see what's in it, does that give a big market boost or is that kind of already going to be factored in or how do you see this playing out?
6: Yeah, you know, at this point, I'm kind of wondering, you know, before I've always thought and and I've always thought that we're going to see this big boost and then we kind of fade back. You know, the way this has been going, I mean, we've been talking about this phase one. Now, this is the third iteration of phase one um you know i think this is going to be pretty well baked in in the market you know the market's digesting this and it's part of the reason why you see soybeans in particular uh have moved higher uh they're not probably where everyone wants them to be but they're certainly higher than where they were and so the market is slowly intaking all this and seeing how it, see you know taking this all in and the fact is when you look at soybean prices and i'm talking both futures and bases you know we have seen um Good numbers on both of those. Uh, we look at Gulf, SIF, SIF Gulf, Soybean, Portland, o- Soybean basis numbers. They, are, they have moved rapidly higher, uh, and that's because China has been buying soybeans from the United States at a fairly good clip, you know, really since um, kind of October. And so I think the markets, a lot of that, as you said, is, is kind of digested by the market. Phase one gets high, we'll probably get a little euphoria when it's done, um, but I think a lot of it will be baked in uh, by the time we get there. Because it's been well, it's been well telegraphed, as, as we would say, with the Federal yeah. Reserve.
1: Well, you know, and the, these numbers, these forty, fifty billion dollar figures, are thrown yeah. out there so much. It seems like it sets a bar, and then anything less than that almost seems, you know, like a huge disappointment.
6: Well, and I think that's a, it's a great point because we have been talking about when that first number was thrown out, this forty to fifty billion dollars. If you look at the history of Chinese U.S., you look at all ag products. You know, our high was like $26 billion back in 13. Think about what was happening, in, and I believe 13 is the correct number, so someone can correct me, and I I acknowledge that. But if you look at that, you know, we were, and you look at the value of our exports at that point, we were a much higher point in the sense of dollars per metric ton being sold. And that's a big aggregate number, I understand that. But think about what's happened to client prices since 2013, is that they've come down quite a bit. And because they've come down quite a bit, then it's going to take a lot more Volume to get to that to that number, so I have to say I'm I'm a little skeptical that we could get to that 40 to 50 billion dollar number, you know, even next year. Now that would, in ass- that, we could, but that's assuming record number, record volume of many many agricultural commodities uh, to exports to China. That would also assume a pretty hefty increase in prices from where they are today, and so I think we have to be careful about that and not um, put too much stock in that because again. That is something that U.S. people have been talking about. The Chinese have only mentioned that very quickly or very tacitly um, in passing comments.
1: Yeah, it makes you wonder uh, their feelings yep. on this. And But to get to yeah. that $40, 50000000000 there there's been a lot of talk about how do we get there. It would seem that maybe ethanol could play a big part in that.
6: Right, and it's interesting, and, and I think that's where, you know, and that's the biggest issue I think that we have to think about is from a corn perspective is, where are you know where is the potential and I think ethanol exports are certainly the potential there you have two big users of ethanol or potential users of ethanol who need it China being the potential user who is going to need ethanol and I think that's one of the you know China has the the Chinese government has many challenges one of them is air pollution and if you've ever been to China, you know exactly what I'm talking about it is horrible um, it'll turn you in environmentals faster than you can say jack robertson because the air is so terrible and you feel it instantly on the streets in beijing so ethanol is certainly one of their solutions or one of their potentials and could be a big potential for u.s for u.s um ethanol producers and corn producers for that matter the other one is brazil and brazil continues to need more you know need more um ethanol and so i think that's where the big opportunity is for u.s ethanol producers
1: well, those are some big hopes and some uh, a few <laughs> positives going into 2020. We need all we can get. Steve, thanks a lot. Have That's a right. very Merry Christmas.
6: Thank you. Same to you, Mike. Merry, Merry Christmas to everyone.
1: Take care. Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo Agrofinance. Up next, we'll talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan Finlay joins us next on AOA.
0: The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credense soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
11: Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit.
1: recently on Atoms on Agriculture. And welcome back. We continue to take a look at the monthly Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer numbers. And now we have the November numbers to look at. And it looks like Farmer sentiment is up or was up in November. Here to give us those numbers is Michael Langemeyer, Purdue Ag Economist. Michael, thanks for joining us. So we saw a little jump in November?
4: Yes, we definitely did. Uh, the index
6: jumped from 136 to 153. But what was particularly interesting is we saw a rather large jump in the index of current conditions. When we spoke in the past, I've always indicated that the index of future expectations was higher than the index of current conditions in November. They're the same index number. And so I think that's very interesting that uh, uh, the producers, in, in November at least, were just as optimistic short-term as they are in the long-term.
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: As one year comes to a close and the promise of a new year begins, we at Adams on Agriculture would like to take this time to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a safe, happy and prosperous new year. As we look forward to 2020 with a renewed optimism, we hope for the very best for American farm families and those involved in the ag industry as we continue to feed the world. So from the Adams on Agriculture family to yours, Merry Christmas and a happy new year.
4: When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose Propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit FSPropane.com
1: And we're joined now by Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas.
13: Merry Christmas to you, Mike. Glad to be on.
1: We saw again last week that in a city that uh, deadlines don't mean a much, much to them, it doesn't seem like, throughout the course of the year. You get to the uh, Christmas break deadline, and Congress will get a lot done, and we saw that last week.
13: <laughs> we, we sure did. They... They went through a lot of material in a short amount of time. It was absolutely incredible, but I think everybody wanted to get out of Washington, D.C. and and get home to family and friends for the holidays. So they moved a lot of legislation in the last 10 days.
1: Well, let's kind of go through some of it. One of the items at the top of ASA's list and most other ag groups was USMCA. The House passed it. The Senate is expected to in January and uh, that gives some much needed certainty going into the new year, doesn't it?
13: It does. It does. So you and I talked about this the week of thanksgiving and and mm-hmm. you said, "Hey, when do you looking into your crystal ball, when do you think this is going to happen?" And I said, well, i I just don't think it's going to happen this year." And so I'm going to say I was half right <laughs> yep. because the we we don't have it officially passed yet, but the house did it, and that was the really big piece. I thought we would have an agreement. And then the House would pass it in early 20, and then the Senate would go right after. But, boy, as soon as the agreement was reached, implementing legislation went to the House, they passed it, and now it's on to the Senate. And the important thing, this is this is NAFTA 2.0. This is a, uh, a revitalized NAFTA trade agreement. It's important for a lot of agricultural commodities. For soybeans, Mexico is a top three market, and it's important that we protect that market and maintain it that's primarily the the benefit for soybean farmers.
1: And I was half right too. My prediction was it would be passed right before they went to Christmas break. Well, that's what happened in the house. It just uh, uh, the Senate didn't get a right. get have time to get to it, but hopefully they will early in January. All right. So now things are exactly. looking more positive for China. How optimistic are you there?
13: You know, I don't want to be uh, too negative on this, but I am much more in the prove-it stage mindset than I am excited about this agreement. So it does sound really good. This is a little confusing, but bear with me and let's try and work through it. The major provision that the president is talking about is that there's going to be all of these agricultural purchases. So if we look at 2017 as a baseline, China imported in total, not just soybeans, but in total agricultural goods, around $25 billion dollars. So, if we double that over two years, that's fifty billion dollars. So, what they have said is for the next two years they're gonna they're gonna purchase twenty five billion dollars worth of agricultural products, plus on top of that, they're gonna do an additional thirty two billion, but that will be over the two year time period. So it may be sixteen each year, but it could be a ten and a seventeen it could be something that looks a little different, or a 10 and a 22, rather. So it it depends on how they purchase it. But they are making some big, big promises, and that would be fantastic for agriculture. And that's what the president's talking about. Um, I think from our standpoint, let's look at the systemic challenge that we had with China, whether it was forced technology transfer or intellectual property rights theft, and apply that to agriculture. So what did they do from a trade standpoint they were trying to take, from a seed standpoint? Or were they allowing crop protection materials to, to move back and forth, or did they have a maximum residue limit policy in effect? I know this is kind of wonky, but we want to make sure that what China agreed to in this big deal is beyond purchases and actually has some substantive long-term impact on our ability to work and trade with China
1: and then on biofuels kind of a split decision uh, the good news you got the biodiesel tax credit back some certainty there much needed certainty but on the other hand the administration walks back it's uh, uh pledge to uh, for an agreement on fixing the uh, renewable fuels uh, standard small refinery exemptions and kind of leaves us where we have been moving forward
13: yeah that was extremely disappointing from the administration that that was a little bit of a gut punch not only did the rule not include what was agreed to actually it didn't even increase anything for biodiesel in 2021 so there are some there there that was very very disappointing to everybody within the biofuel space but especially biodiesel and soybean farmers so that was disappointing but as you mentioned the biodiesel tax credit wow talk about uh, senator grassley and senator ernst and finkenauer and so many elected officials that, that were really champions of biodiesel over the last couple of months to make sure the biodiesel tax credit was included. And and I think that while we tend to rip on members of Congress from time to time, they, they've really done a lot the last couple of months to make sure some of those initiatives, including the biodiesel tax credit, were included.
1: So we have some positives, uh, still challenges, still problems, but some positives going into 2020.
13: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think... Hopefully, we can use this momentum to really roll forward on a China deal. Like, we need to see phase one. We want to see what it says. And I think that's going to be the focus of 2020. Let's see the China deal, and then let's enforce the China deal to make sure that it, it really means something for U.S. agriculture.
1: Well, it's been... Uh it's been a year that many would like to forget in many ways in 2019 but hopefully yeah. these events here at the end will uh, shape it up and kind of lead us into a much better 2020. Ryan always good to talk with you it's going to be interesting to to as we gather for winter meetings over the next couple months to see what the tone is the mood is as farmers gather but at least we do have these positives
13: yes I think we'll I think we're going to have an optimistic tone going through meeting season but there's, there's a lot of challenges out there. So I look forward to seeing you and, and visiting in 2020. But Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Years to all the listeners out there.
1: You as well, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Always appreciate your time. Thanks uh, Thanks for being with us. Take care.
13: All right. Take care. Bye.
1: Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Well, that wraps it up for today. Um, next few days, we're going to look back at some of these uh big stories here of the last few days and I uh, have some uh, replays of some of these interviews on the key issues, whether it's trade or taxes, biofuels. So many things have happened these last uh, few days and we're going to take the next few days rest of this week to kind of review some of those. So hope you'll join us. Have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. And thanks for joining us on AOA. Mr. Chairman,
12: as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions.